we are back at it here with another in space episode here i am your host as always chris connor we got my dog uh Lido here boot crew contributor and we have a special guest um who i hardly ever see make make guest appearances i feel i feel special <laughs> locked on locked on pelicans his own legend maniac recording eight shows a week jake madison what's up man not too much i'm happy to be on here with you i've tried to tone down like the appearances in other podcast hits and stuff this year but when you texted me i was like yeah whatever you need me i'm on oh man i no no it is man because look like i've um it's so interesting like in the space that i'm in now no pun intended, that I see so many people that I remember like watching from afar, like 10 years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, you know, and um, the progression of so many people and how they've been, they've either inspired me or they inspired someone that I know. But Jake, what's <laughs> interesting about you, and at some point we're going to talk about the Pelicans, but this show is is a little, is a little different. I, I, I want to know how you got here right mm-hmm. we've talked about it you and i mm-hmm. talked about it but but to get to a point to where like your shows are doing great you're doing them you're doing them daily like there was a time i remember when i was i think i was offered like locked on saints and i was just like no i was like the reward it's just not it's not worth putting in all that time you want me to do these daily and i'm like i don't know if i want to <laughs> But you've made it work. You've done a you've done a great job with it, and I mean your 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 YouTube presence is you know is amazing. It's inspiration, and we've had a lot of talks you know beyond man. But kind of walk us walk me walk Lito back to how this how you got here. What was the start? What was next? Um, go ahead. Yeah, I've been doing this for like twelve years, so it's not the easiest thing to sum up. But I'll try and do like the quick version of this. So you know, like one of the things that I, I've been really lucky with my timing on this. When I started covering the team, it was 2010, 2011, kind of when like internet blogs, sports blogs were like taking off, and kind of right before everyone had one of those. So I got in at just the right time on that sort of thing. Because if you try to take my path today, it would be nearly impossible and so much harder. So I I keep that in mind that if people are looking for kind of like my path to emulate it, it's not always gonna go that way just because I'm I'm, I'm lucky in that sense. So I started, you know, by buying season tickets to the team with like the first real job I had out of college, had some disposable income. So I bought season tickets. I'm always been a big basketball guy my whole life. And then at one point having a writing background, I just kind of said like, screw it. I should be writing about the team. I was looking at all these sports blogs and said like, I I should try my hand at that. And so I reached out to like a couple of different places and one of them brought me on. It was then the fan-sided one called Swarm and Sting. And I worked for free. You know, that's kind of what you have to do, unfortunately, in this industry. And it sucks to really get your foot in the door. And there's a million people that would be happy to replace you and work for free. And it also helps that, you know, that, like, there, to be honest, there's like white privilege involved in this, too. I can send an email that's, you know, well crafted and people probably think I'm a safer hire than other people would be. And I never needed this to make money. I wasn't, you know, supporting myself or my family. You know, my family's not loaded or super rich, but if I ever needed to buy groceries, groceries, they could probably spot me a couple of dollars to be able to do it. So it allowed me to spend my free time on improving and, and being a good at the time blogger. I then got picked up by a bigger blog 
From there, after putting in a bunch of work, Locked On came calling, and I kind of saw the beginning of the vision of what they were doing with the network here. And I've basically been there since the beginning, you know, and over time while blogging, I would do radio hits. You know, I, I credit Fletcher Mackle a lot, actually. I know people like to joke about him, but I think he's been an important influence on me in getting to where I am today. So I give him a lot of credit for that, bringing me on TV, which makes me, it kind of legitimizes you in a way, even if I don't think it's like a be all end all thing. And from there, you know, Locked On reached out, hearing me on the radio, going on podcasts as guests and asked me if I was interested in hope, you know, hosting the show. And it, it was one of those things that, you know, as you said, right, Locked On Saints daily, it's it's a lot of work. And there were times when I was working for very little money, there'd be times when it was a $7 check, a $5 check for a month of shows. But if you see the vision in it long term and grind away at it and keep putting it out, you know, Locked On Pelicans is over 1300 episodes. If, if you're good, it'll find an audience, it'll start to take off. And so moving it onto YouTube and being able to kind of get into that space. And again, grinding, plugging away, doing the show, you know, it, it does well. I can tell you right now, Locked On Pelicans of all of our NBA shows for Locked On on YouTube, and we have over 200 something shows total, is fifth in terms of the NBA by by views. It's beating out shows like the Rockets, the Warriors, the Heat, the Celtics even, you know, the Lakers are one ahead of the Pelican show here. So even in a small market and what New Orleans is the first or second smallest in the NBA, it's still able to beat people out because of the grinding and from kind of realizing what like this very passionate fan base wants. And, you know, Jake, um, and it's interesting, uh, a lot of what you said is, especially in taking that role, you know, I think about it now, like, and what I've learned is it's really not the, I mean, sure, you want the you want the position or the situation. Once you get to a certain, I guess, standing, you want it to be worth your time and what you're putting into. You want the right resources yeah. around you and the right people. Of course, all of that matters. But a lot of times, I mean, you know, the person makes the situation right. The work ethic that they put in behind it and, you know, how they handle it. Because I remember like I, I brought I, I brought up the uh, locked on Saints. But look at what Ross Jackson is doing. He's made it. He's he, he's made it everything. He's made it. You know, very, very similar to what, you know, to what you're doing. Ross is a superstar in that in that lane. And I'm sure he had his doubts about, damn, where is this going to yeah. go? Yeah, he, he is one of my favorite people. He's recently moved to New Orleans full time. So we hang out a lot. And I absolutely love that dude and think what he's doing is amazing. And to be honest, you should get him on the show because his story is unbelievable about everything. And I'll, I'll let him tell that, you know, they had he wasn't you know, he's been on that show for about three years now, I think maybe a little bit longer than that. But they had other hosts of that show. And some of them are are names that people would have heard of and known who quit and didn't want to put in the work on that sort of thing and weren't able to do it. And it shows you how important this is like the number one thing I tell people when they ask me for advice in this space is you, you got to put in the work and you've got to get better as you go with it. Like my first couple show, you know, probably first two years of lockdown Pelicans, I fucking sucked at that. Right. Like I was awful at it. And I don't want to even go back and listen to those things. You get better as you go on. You put in the grind. You, you do the work. You see so many people that want to get into this space and kind of be like a Twitter celebrity. And that's not something that, like, if you want that, that's totally cool. I have no problem with that. Seeing your followers go up gives you endorphins. It makes you feel good. There's something to be said for that. But if you want to translate it into something else, you have to do the work is like the number one thing I keep 
telling people. And Ross is one of those people who came in and took a show that people had, had a bunch of different hosts and no one could really figure out and be committed to. And then went in and kills it. Like, I think he is an up and coming star. And I've heard of people offering him other jobs locally, like big time jobs. And he keeps turning them down because he's turned that show in a sense into a machine and it's making lots of money, which is awesome for him and a credit to a dude who's willing to do the work for all of that. I, uh, could you guys him? Okay. I, I, I just want to say, you know, uh, I, you know, the first time I met you, I just want to give you your flowers. The first time I met you, you were like, well, I'm not even gonna tell that story, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing. Not even gonna tell that story. I was gonna say you were super inviting. You know what I'm saying? Like you were cool. You gave me advice. Like you, you, you know what I'm saying? You were were welcoming it, and like that's cool as hell. Because a lot of times, you know, when you're trying to get into something, people aren't always as like you know they won't wrap their arms around you. It's like yo, you go over there and you figure that shit out yourself. Mm-hmm. But like, I just want to say, <clears throat> yo. I think I told you this to your face, man, the fact that you can get on your pod or you, your platform and you can literally just talk to yourself. Dude, that is, I don't think people realize how fucking hard that is. <laughs> oh, trust me, I know. Lito, <laughs> Lito, tell, tell a story about, about that day that we was at the studio. And you had oh my God. <laughs> Jake, listen, <laughs> me and Chris were doing a pod and... Uh, I don't know. I don't remember what it was, but Trey Murphy's dad ends up calling Chris. So Chris looks at me and he's like, what do I do? I'm like, answer the phone. So he he sneaks out and it's just like me in front of the camera. And it's so crazy. I'm telling the story because I literally was thinking about you while I was doing it. (laughs) I was like, yo, so the camera's in front of me and I'm, (laughs) I'm just like, just I I like just I I'm just spewing shit out. I'm like you know like God saves, He saves the children. Like believe in yourself, everybody. <laughs> and it's like I did that shit for like five minutes, man. And then I just cut the camera off. And Chris came back after that, and he was like, "Uh, you you want to run it?" I was like, "Man, that shit over. It's gone." <laughs> but <laughs> my question was, well, my I guess my my statement statement and a question. Like I I think can you just talk talk to people who just think that you know, just sitting in front of a camera, you know, talking to yourself is like relatively easy. And the other question I had was, can you talk about how, you know, I know you built a platform and then you moved over to YouTube, but like, can you talk about how difficult that is to, because those things don't always, you know, cross-reference. Yeah. You know, it, so there's three things I want to hit on from what, what, what you said. I'll tackle like the, the, the YouTube one first. We'll go reverse order here. You know, uh, Platforms don't always translate to one another. And, you know, it's kind of with like a Twitter following, right? You might have 10,000 Twitter followers, but it's not going to necessarily translate over. I was talking about this on Twitter today from like a different industry with this uh, to to another medium. So you've got to work hard at each one. And, you know, moving to YouTube, I was originally like not happy or thrilled to do it. I actually gave our network a lot of pushback on all of that, which, oh boy, was I wrong on that one. Because, you know, I did my show and... It goes to kind of the talking to yourself, you know, whenever you're doing these type of shows or a podcast or single host show, you got to plan it out. Like I do a lot of prep work on the beginning of it. I know what each segment is. I know the point of each segment of the three that I do daily. I usually write out my open first and then kind of read it off of like a sticky note more or less on my computer here to be able to make it as good as possible. You've got to put in, it goes back to what I said earlier. You got to put in the work on all of this and it's not simply let me turn the camera on, hit record and we'll see what happens. 
happens. You're going to lose people if you're kind of meandering like that. So I can talk for 20 to 30 minutes because I've already basically done the show before I hit record. There's there's a really famous quote from Orson Welles when he was filming the movie Citizen Kane and they were asking him if he was like scared about all of this and he's like we already made the movie. We just need to film it now, right? For all the prep work that goes into that sort of thing. So that really helps me is, you know, throughout the day, I'm thinking of what's the show going to be? What's kind of the point of the show? What's the point of each segment? What's the takeaway here? What am I trying to convey to the audience? And so all that prep work makes it easy to do the show at for the most part at that point in time. But when I would do the podcast, I could take breaks, you know, I could record a segment and I could stop and then if it was bad, I could re-record it if I needed to. If I said something wrong, I could edit it and cut it. And I was taking breaks and kind of doing everything in piecemeal. And then in YouTube, I, I now have to basically one take things because I don't want to spend two hours a day editing a video, which is a much different thing than just editing the audio on something and takes so much more time. So it's taught me to just learn how to kind of one take things and just be less of a perfectionist, which I actually think is a good thing. And it's okay if you screw up a little bit in, in your show and things like that. So it's taught me just kind of how to do it all in one take and just forced me to be better and not to rely on some of the crutches I think I had before with everything. And I think it works well for YouTube with all of that. So it's it was a bit of an adjustment. It added a little bit more time to my plate and I knew I couldn't screw up. Otherwise, I'm spending an hour editing a video, which happens on occasion. Not a fun process sometimes at like one in the morning after games. But, you know, it just forces you to be better and grow as a, you know, as a podcaster, producer, content creator, whatever you want to use with all of that. And it's, it's forced me to think about it differently when you're on camera, you know, you need a little bit of personality to the show. And I don't think my show is funny or necessarily has a ton of personality, but I've learned to, how to almost be like a character on the screen. And that's kind of how I think of myself when I do the show. Like, I don't think of that's like the authentic Jake necessarily. Like I'm acting a little bit, you're hamming things up for the camera a little bit to keep the audience more engaged. Ross Jackson recommends people take um, improv lessons and things like that. If you're interviewing a player or you're out on the field doing something, right? You don't know what's going to come up and being able to react in the moment. Or if you're interviewing a guest and they say something interesting, are you able to pick up on that and run with it? So improv class, are really important to that sort of side of things too. I study other people. I've studied guys like Colin Coward who does a single host show. I've looked at other single hosts on how they kind of do things and have tried to figure out what I like and what would work for me and put that into play as I'm kind of playing this character in a sense, you know, there's times when I'm almost like talking to someone or I'm talking to a player. It often has been me yelling at David Griffin at times being like, what are, what are you doing, Griff? Right. And there's there's kind of like an acting to it and how you do things. And I think that engages the audience. And I never had to do that before when you didn't see me on camera and it was just me recording and you didn't have that visual side to things. And then I just want to say, I appreciate you saying that I was welcoming. I try and do that for like most most people here. You know, I, I'm super supportive of Chris and everything y'all do over at boot crew anyone who reaches out like my dms are open i give you advice i had someone asking me the other day in there like how do i make my blog successful how do i make my my youtube show successful and i'm happy to share all of that because i i think some people view it as like competition and they get scared trust me i can tell you all of the other pelicans content creators you know when i tweeted out the other day that locked on pelicans hit six thousand subscribers on youtube don't ever retweet anything positive about my show even though i'm friends with them in real life. And I wonder if there's a degree of jealousy there or something along those lines, and that's fine. But I know they don't support my show, and I've learned that, and I kind of accept that. 
I'm different. Whenever people are doing well, I want everyone to do well. And I really try and, you know, be welcoming. There's been so many different beat writers that have moved to New Orleans. I reach out to literally every single one of them. And I'm like, hey, if you ever need anything, I'm here. Before they've even met me or probably like know who I am. I don't know. I just want people to to do well because I don't see it as a threat to me. I think it's kind of like the idea of like a rising tide here. And I, you know, and I'll always support people who kind of do it the right way, not making up say a rumored trade or something like that and trying to claim sources on it to try and gain clout and kind of get into this space put in the grind work hard and i'll be there to support you and go on your show i went on a show the other day that got like 50 views right they they went 45 minutes which is like three of my shows total right it's a it's a time <laughs> commitment at times but i'm happy to do it to support other people because people you know kind of extended that arm to me in the beginning too it's really it just it, sounds like you're a good human. That's 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 all I ask. That. I wouldn't say that's that necessarily, but I try, you know. <laughs> good enough, man. I, I've like and I, I remember um when I like first started with the bird rights, um, it was just it felt like it was it was like pulling teeth trying to get people to, you know, to assist in any in any kind of way. Um <laughs> so when you have people like, you know, in the beginning. Like even when I was when I was because people don't remember, I, I started out with like the Pelican debrief. I was just mainly writing. I was just trying to find just just find out what was going to work for me. But when you get yeah. people from, you know, the, the people that have that have helped me like along the way, um, you like you don't forget those things because you are going. To, it's always a balance. You'll find four people that, you know, that help you out and there'll be five or six that won't respond to your DM or won't or won't support what you're doing. You know, like you said, because of looking at it in regards to competition whatever not, reason bro. right yeah yeah it's just it's just the help at the end of the day and that's one and that's one of the things i really i respect about you because it's genuine it's it's 100 genuine and that's the way it's supposed to be bro like like you can't um we all have to like we all had humble beginnings in one way or another i couldn't have told you two years ago i'd be having having a show or or or, or people would want to hear what i had to say that much i mean anybody that that could happen to anybody if they put in the work yeah, it's it's kind of like knowing your place in a sense and kind of understanding like what what all of this is like most of us do this part time in some capacity like this isn't my full time job. So, you know, I, I'm not looking at it in like I got to kill off my competition so that I can make it. And I don't think that works either. Right. People <laughs> right. band with people listen to multiple shows. So it's not like they can only listen to Locked on Pelicans. Otherwise, I'm a failure. Listen to my show. Listen to other shows. It's going to be OK. The more you care about a team and the more interested you are in them, you're going to have a greater bandwidth to consume more content. So let's make sure that content's good, because look, Lord knows we've been in a position where the content around the Pelicans right when I was starting with the blogging was absolutely terrible. Yeah. The newspaper of record was just didn't understand basketball, didn't care about basketball, and you still get it to a certain degree. So I kind of look at this as it's just awesome, right? And if look, my, my show's not for everyone. I've had people come in. Look, I get it. I'm kind of like another at times bland white dude, and it doesn't speak to people, and that's completely fine. I get that. So if there's another show that does speak to them that's not you know, the exact same as mine. I want to make that successful so that everyone can kind of find the people they like and listen to the content they like. We had that whole crap with Locked On, another show, dealing with that the other day. I, I hate what that host said and all of that stuff because it's not like the take that I have with everything. And it's just like, let everyone do their thing. People will find the ones that work for them and, you know, things rise up, things don't, but there's no reason not to help those other ones. So... And it's funny because I remember um, before I, I officially started with Boo Crew, 
Um, and JK told me like months before this had happened, he was like, one day, one day I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to you about, you know, you know, if, I, if I'm not available or whatever for you to come on and be mm -hmm. a host. But I didn't really realize what that meant. I was like, all right, you know, like, cool. Like, you know, you know, whatever. <laughs> so then, you know, he finally hit me and I was like, fuck. It's one of those things to where I know I could do it, but I was scared as hell. I, I, I was fearful of like what could go wrong, but I was totally okay with that. And, you know, what, and, and that I, was fun, by the way. Your text to me of like, what do I do? Here's what I'm thinking. And I'm like, let me give you a little bit of advice here. Like, do your thing, but let me help you structure it. And at the end, you're like, oh, yeah, that was different than what I thought. My anxiety was through the fucking roof. I, I know I talked <laughs> to Lito that day. I know uh, Antonio Daniels hit me up, who I don't yep. know if he's still a part of the Locked On. You know, he, he is. He still works for Locked On. Big friend of my show, too. Like, yeah. He hit, I mean, he hit me with like, yo, man, yo, brother, if you need help, you know, it's fine. I was like, yeah, I might, because I don't know what I'm doing here. I was like, and, and, and it was it was something to where it, it was a really, it was a big learning experience, but what it taught me, and it's kind of like what I already knew, and I think, you know, myself and Lido have learned this in our in our, in our our own way, um, still kind of relatively being new to this side of things, where fear, bro, fear is okay. It's a part of yeah, it's it. You are going to suck. <laughs> and, that, and and that's my that, that's my biggest advice to anybody that, that wants to you are going to be terrible at some point you're going to be trash your energy is going to be off you're going to say something stupid you're going to do something stupid you got to embrace that and move the fuck on because you can't run away from it it's yeah. like watching game film right like if i have I, i've had bad shows and i refuse i hate hearing the sound of my own voice so i don't go back and like watch and listen to things that i'm on yep. but i know when i'm bad and when i'm good and what i can do differently and i'm really open to like constructive criticism and coaching, like even David Locke, who runs our network, he's the radio voice for the Utah Jazz. A couple of years ago, he pulled me aside at a game in front of other like writers and was like, come talk to me in private. And was like, I need you to be better on your prep work. Like your show was a little sloppy today. You said you weren't sure if this guy was playing or not when they had already ruled him out and you completely missed that. And it was kind of like an eye-opening thing for me. Like my boss basically being like, you gotta be better. And it's like, okay, I'm not fired here. That's good, but I'll be better then and you go out and do it as long as you don't say something like truly offensive right which you almost have to try hard to do when we see those clips go viral those people are trying hard to make that point on those things it's not usually just like a complete accident you'll be fine if it's bad don't worry get through it get better learn from it and go out and make the show better even if it's a small increment next time and eventually you will get there i um uh, <clears throat> i mean from what both of you have just said is like Honestly, you know, <clears throat> from, you know, starting, I remember, you know, just doing my first pod and then, you know, having to go back to those episodes. Like, it's cringe. It's so much cringe. Like, I hate oh, it. I, yeah, it's <laughs> awful, right? <laughs> like, I, 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 I am with you. I do not like the sound. I do not like hearing my recorded voice. It's like one of the worst things on earth. Like, I, I, I wish that, you know, I could just fast forward past my parts and listen to the pods because I generally think they're good. But um, <clears throat> I think that's true, man. And, and. So let me ask you this with, with your boss pulling you aside, right? How did that, obviously you said you weren't fired so you know, we know how that turned out, but like as, as a, as just as a, um, how did that, did that affect your confidence at all or did it make you, oh, okay, go ahead. No, I mean, so like, yeah, right. Like that's never fun. That's never fun for your boss to be like, Hey, your show wasn't too good today, you know, but it, it's coming from like a positive place. This is a guy that wants me to succeed, that is invested in helping me succeed, which is something I think Locked On does really well versus networks. Uh, not yours, but other networks. Like there isn't coaching on how to make you 
better on these sorts of things. Chris is smiling because he gets it. But, you know, there's <laughs> that's what I think is great. When everyone's kind of like invested in your success, like find those people, like find those people and stick with those people who will help make you better and like grow with them. So David was in town, you know, for the for the home opener for the Pelicans with the Jazz being there. And we had lunch together. And he basically said my show, like, I don't mean this, like pat myself on the back. He's just like, your show is like a perfect example of what I want all of our shows on our whole network to be. And I've told him, you know, like that's from you coaching me up the support you've all invested in me to make me as good as possible and i listened to that and i've tried really hard he basically was like i want all of our shows to be exactly like yours which works for our network doesn't work for everyone right like don't go take the structure of my show and think it'll translate all around it works for what we're doing with what we want kind of the goal of our shows to be but it, you know it, it, it it's never fun to hear that but once you realize it's always coming from like a good place of like you got to be better you got to work on this okay i'll do that you know i i wasn't worried about getting fired right there in the moment but you listen to where you have gaps and what you got to do and and you work to fill those jake i have a oh you Jake, I have a question for you. So, like, just listening to you, your, your, like you said, your story is man interesting. Just you know, from how you started buying tickets to you know where you are now. Like, obviously, I don't know if you ever saw yourself being the voice of a basketball team, but <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so let me ask you, just just moving forward, like, where where would you say you see yourself in maybe the next five to ten years? So I don't know. You know, I I'm. I'm, I'm a believer in like also be happy in the moment and you don't always need to like continuously try and go for the next thing. You know, I don't think my show is perfect. I still think there's a lot of growth for my show to do. So I'm happy to just keep doing what I'm doing and incrementally getting it to another spot, right? That's something I talked to our network about. We're like, what if we introduce all these new shows and do all this new stuff? What if we just focus on being the best we can at what we're doing right now? Cause we're not 100 so I don't know where I'm going to be in five years with it. I don't know if, you know, I'd like to think I'll still be hosting Locked on Pelicans, certainly. But it goes to something Chris said in the beginning of like, you want your time to be worth it. And that time becomes more valuable the older you get. I'm 36. When I started doing this, I was in my like mid 20s, 24, something like that. And my time to me at that point was probably kind of worthless, to be perfectly honest. And now it's not as your priorities change. And I'm lucky I don't have kids. I'm not lucky that I don't have kids. I don't have kids. I don't particularly want kids, but it gives me all that free time to do it. You get what I'm saying there. Um, so that allows me to do a lot of these sorts of things. So I don't necessarily see things changing like i'm pretty happy the trajectory the show's on you know it, to be honest and upfront it's making very good money so that's a big part of why i keep doing it if it wasn't i don't know if i would still be doing this at this point in time because of the value of your time and things like that so i, I don't know where it is in five years i'm i'm still always in awe of where it is today so i'll take that for the time being I, you know i'd like to do maybe more official things with the pelicans i've worked with them before i hosted their official twitch show you know chris has been on their podcast i haven't hint hint whoever's maybe listening to this sort of thing um so like that would be cool and they trust me and they've worked with me and we've had talks about other stuff so we'll see where that goes like that would be a cool thing i think there's some sort of prestige attached with like officially working with the team in some capacity uh, I, I just want to say Jake Madison does not hate kids. Yeah, I was like, oh boy, let me not say that I'm lucky that I don't have kids because that sounds terrible. I'm, I, I'm, my free time is not take it up with kids, so it allows me to do more things like this. Let me say it that way. So, uh, which I, uh, neither neither of us uh, have kids yet, um, but um, <laughs> no, um, I I really like the point too um, about 
like your circle, right? And it, it, it might not be a circle. It, it could just be a line. It could just be like just one person that you have, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I like I I won't forget this. A couple weeks ago, Lito called me, and it was like a random Wednesday. He didn't even know I was off work. He just randomly called me, and in the most polite but non-polite way, <laughs> he told me I needed to work. <laughs> you know, like I, that. That was like basically like. What are you doing? Like what? what mm-hmm. Like what? What are you doing? You need to record. Like stop. Don't wait for the season. Be more than just you know than just the spaces guy. And I had never. I, I wasn't thinking about being that, but I was being like I was being lazy. I was just waiting. And that was like that was like a big wake up call to me in a sense, you know, because it was like damn, like he you know he's right. And I just sat there. I sat there, and my girl was right next to me, and she just was like, just 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 shaking her head because. <laughs> I couldn't say anything. I, I I had to I had to take what he was saying because because it, it was one hundred. We did a show later on that day, and pretty much ever since then I've been trying to be like, all right, let me find my way. This is like Jake, you're you're the second show of today. I haven't done that mm-hmm. in a very long time. So that was just um that was big, but you needed from the right people, people that that genuinely want you would succeed. Yeah, sometimes like a slap in the face isn't a bad thing, right? Like, you know, those wake-up calls you get are important. You know, one of the things that I'm really proud of with my show is it's really consistent. Maybe it's not the best show I've ever put out in a day, but you're going to have a show, and that's important, and people expect that. And, you know, if you want your show to be successful, this is for anybody, you got to be there for them. You know, your show can't be successful if, if you don't have a show out. And if you call yourself a podcaster, then you've got a podcast, right? If you're a blogger, you've got to write. You know, otherwise you're just a, a Twitter person, which is also fine. Like, I, I don't want to sound like I'm putting that down, but I don't think that's going to accomplish what a lot of people want other than just seeing their followers going up and being happy with that. I've seen a lot of people that are just like, you know, I want to just talk about the team. Okay, do that. Then they, they don't ask me how to make money doing this because it's not on Twitter. It's in other mediums, no matter what Elon Musk is saying right now with all of that stuff, right? Like it's just, it's, it's not there and that doesn't translate. So that's one of the things that I think people fall into a trap of are like, I'll tweet and I'll put things out there and that's great. You can have fun with that. I've met so many wonderful people through that, but if you want to make money, it's not there. If you want to be a podcaster, you don't podcast on Twitter. If you want to be a writer, you don't, I guess you kind of write on Twitter, but it's all of those sorts of things. So it's it's doing the work. I think a lot of people say they want to be like a personality or a podcaster or a writer. And they say that because they like the idea of it, but they don't actually want to put in the work to do all of that. I think um, I think everything you said is important just now, because I mean, in the same way, you know, Chris said that I, I gave him a proverbial slap in the face. I mean, he did it to me like he 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 send me a DM and ask me if I wanted to write. Like he, I was just posting shit on Twitter. And like you said, <laughs> I can, I can, I can literally say that you cannot make money just posting tweets. Like you have to. <laughs> and like, once you start doing that, but it, in the same, in the same, I guess in the same breath, you know, if somebody sees you interested in something and they can, you know, push you along that way. I think the biggest thing though is, Right. Like the biggest thing is y'all have all said it, but using fear to your advantage, nothing wrong with being scared. Like, yeah, it, it's OK. I, it's OK. I think every time, you know, I can I say every time I would play basketball or I, I would step on the court, I'd be nervous, not scared that I'm not good enough, but I just want to put my best foot forward. I want to do the best I can. And the other thing is, like, you'll have people. It doesn't matter what you do. Whether you're right, you could be great or you could be terrible. People are going to talk about you either way. 
They're going to talk shit about you. They're going to say things. You know what I'm saying? So it really doesn't matter because those people are literally just on the sideline. They're not creating the content. It's it's also how you improve, right? Like you're never going to step in fully formed. You're never going to step in and be perfect unless you're coming from like a different medium where you've already done all the work and then it just translates right on over, right? Like if you're a new, you know, a TV sports anchor, you can probably step in and be pretty good on a podcast. But if that's not you, like it takes a while to kind of figure out what works. It took me, you know, years to kind of figure out the right flow for Locked on Pelicans on how I do a post game show. You know, like, how do you, you know, I used to do, it's three segments a day. And after a game, you know, I would just talk about that game for one segment. Then I'd have to come up with two others. And it's like, oh, wait, let me, let me tease this out to be the whole show, let's say, and focus on that and get into some of these like gritty details with things. It takes a while to figure that out. And there've been shows that have been complete busts that I've done. Even now when I try different things, they fail or one will work. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to use that and I'll, and I'll know, and I'll keep going. And Look, there's haters everywhere, right? No matter what you do, there are going to be people that dislike you for whatever reason. You just, it sucks. It hurts at times. It can be dangerous at times too, frankly, but there's, there's, you got to let it go and just kind of focus on going your way. And it's kind of like, screw what other people think if the majority of the people are finding it and it's working. Agreed. All right. So, um, I, I can't let you go, Jake, without, um, talking about something Pelicans related uh, to the team that is, that is currently on the floor. Um, <laughs> give me, give me a couple um, of the things that you've been, I guess, most pleased about or that you find the most interesting um, about the team start. I mean, the, 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 the Lakers game tomorrow um, and we know how crazy that's, that's going to be. It, it, it always is, but um yeah, man. I mean, what do you think about the start that the Pelicans are off to? What have you found interesting? Yeah, I mean, look, four and two is fantastic. It took them 21 games to win four games last year. This is like quite a turnaround to be able to do it in six. And, you know, really speaks to a lot of the things going on well with the team. The starters have been good. You know, your, your heavy hitters and Zion B.I. and CJ, I think, have all been really good, even if some have been out of the lineup. Uh, and the depth, I think, is is one of the more interesting things. And I'll pose this question to both of you as well. You know, I've seen a lot of people say that they think this team is is the deepest in the league. And I actually don't know if I agree with that. I think this team is deep, but it's deep with the right role players that work around the core guys. You know, I don't necessarily know if I trust all of these guys to be like next man up if four starters go down. We kind of saw the limitations of that in the Suns game, I think. But these role players in the roles that they do, and I listened to the show when Larry Nance came on with all y'all and was talking about how role player is not a dirty word or a dirty thing to have here, right? They're really good at what they do and they slot around these core guys perfectly. And I think seeing that is one of the most interesting things to me because what they're doing with the rotations, right? Keeping BI out there, subbing Zion and CJ off, putting in the right role players around him. Then, then he goes off and Zion and CJ come on and they got the right role players around them. It, it's working in a way that, you know, I don't know if they need like a six man off the bench. I know everyone kind of loves Jordan Clarkson and maybe, you know, the idea of a 20 point per game score off the bench sounds awesome. I don't know if this team needs that necessarily with the depth of the role players they have on, on this roster. I'm with you, Jake. It, it's a, it's a tough question every time I, I hear it. Cause I'm like, um, I think context matters. I think they are uh, what you said about the, the kind of role players and how they mess together. And that goes into the conversation about um, how close of a group that, you know, that this is, 
um, you know, what, how good Willie is. I think a brand, you know, of understanding people and personnel and bringing them and bringing these guys together to have them play hard for each other. There are some other teams out there. I think, you know, I think Memphis is a, you know, is one of those teams. I thought the Clippers, I think the Clippers eventually will get their act together and they'll be one of those teams, but you know, maybe, maybe Philly will be one of those teams. I like a lot of what, of what they have there on their squad. I think we got to see more, more teams. I, I guess do without and how they are able to, um, to still find a way to persevere before we make that discussion. But even yeah. the fact that we can even pose this question, <laughs> and we've been watching this damn franchise since they have joined, since they have joined the city of New Orleans, is good enough for me. You don't have; they don't have to be the deepest. But if this team yeah. is in the top five or a top ten, that's leaps and bounds better of what I've been used to, or, or, or what I thought I would accept. Yeah, it's it's this is just so much better than what we were expecting and, you know, how things have historically gone here with this team. And I think kind of keeping some of that in mind, it feels like they're playing with house money at certain times here. where It's like this is just great. We don't normally get to be this happy to start the year historically with what this team does. So it's kind of like what I've been telling people a lot. It's like enjoy the ride. There's going to be some downs along with the ups that we're seeing right now. Like they're going to hit a three game losing streak at some point and it'll feel like the sky is falling, but it'll actually be okay when you're kind of put it into the context of everything they're doing. And all of this still does feel pretty sustainable. And I think that's important as well to really keep in mind here. It looks like this will continue years in the future with the guys locked up, them kind of building the right way. David Griffin finding the way with this team after a rocky couple of years, but really nailing it these past two. And, you know, I, I think that's big. It's not just going to be like a one year thing, hopefully, where it's like, oh, look at how good they are. It, it seems that you've got you know, a pipeline of young talent in these guys too. They're really developing internally guys. Trey's certainly taken a leap this year. You know, they've had a lot of success the past three years with undrafted two-way contracts in, you know, Kenrich Williams, Najee Marshall, Jose Alvarado, who knows what we'll see with like Sebron this year, let's say. So I think it's it's been just fun to see. And I think seeing it kind of be so homegrown, not trading Always for a lot of these guys. They brought in CJ, right? It feels like BI is kind of a homegrown player here because he kind of grew up before our eyes making an all-star in New Orleans. I think that's it, it just invites so much investment from the city and the region to kind of follow these guys and feel like they're invested in their trajectory and their future that it's just made it a real fun fan base to be a part of. They know. I don't I don't know if they're the deepest team in the league. Um I, I still feel like I feel like Golden State. Uh, I feel like Boston, um, I feel like the Clippers still, you still got to get, because they haven't had any, you know, continuity with their roster. But, and and honestly, I know this is probably a sleeper team, but I feel like Detroit is a very deep team also. They're hard out, right? Like they fight hard. There's a lot of young talent there. Kid Cunningham the past week has looked like a superstar and really up to living up to that number one pick billing like yeah I, again i think they're deep right i just don't know if you would take some of these guys and be like they're starters all around the league i think they're just really 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 good role players that work some of them would be i think trey could start on a number of teams but you know i don't know if necessarily if jose would but he's perfect in his role here and that i think does make you deep in a sense yeah no i, I agree with that and and i think you know i think continuity has you know, it doesn't matter how deep your team is if you don't have those players available. You know what I'm saying? So AD says something very often with the the whole be a star in your role um, approach. And I think 
that's kind of the mind state it feels like the Pelicans have taken on. But I just wanted to say, so from you know where you when you started to like where you are now, where the team is now, like it's been a total 180, right? What what's what would you say is the most has been the most exciting time for you like thus far? Yeah, it, it's the community like really coming together. And I think this is why I think Chris is like a future superstar here with his cult like ability to drop people into those <laughs> those spaces and everything, even when the team was bad. Right. You know, th there have been times when people have rallied around this team, but it's kind of felt like flash in a pan. They were good. So let's go to the playoff games. Let's kind of pay attention to them. And then the team kind of like falls on their face the next year. And we go through this whole process of rebuilding again. But there was a, a collective moment last year and Chris I've told you this a lot before where it seems like the fan base really kind came together and basically gave like the middle finger to everyone who was against this team there was like a collective fu to everyone outside who was kind of belittling the franchise in a sense I think that moment really really brought people together in a way that will continue on in the future through good or bad people as Chris loves to say finally started like really representing the New Orleans on the front of the jersey here and we're like okay if you say this stupid crap about this team that's factually wrong like we're gonna come at you for it which is what the city can definitely do. And I think seeing the fan base come together like that in a way that they never really had before is awesome. That's, that's one of the things I love about being involved in this is the community aspect of it. I, I have lifelong friends that I would never would have met otherwise from this. It was just at Mason Ginsburg's like baby shower, right? And I've met, I met him literally because we, we knew each other on Twitter and interacted on Twitter. Then we met in person. It was like, oh, we get along really well. This dude's awesome, right? I get excited when Chris is coming into town before we start recording. He's telling me how long he's going to be in town for for some of these games. And I'm like, let's hang out, dude, right? Lito, you can step on my shoes again here. And so... <laughs> <laughs> so like I love that aspect of things right it's really fun to be able to walk around the city or walk around the arena and like know people even if it wasn't me on a show but being just involved with the fan group knowing the other fans that I see at watch parties that I interact with on Twitter and that sense of belonging and sense of community is like really special like truly special that I think actually is something that's more achievable in a small market like New Orleans than it would be in a place like Los Angeles where everyone's spread out or there's more people not involved in that community going to games, right? So you're able to really accomplish that here and you wouldn't necessarily be able to do that in another place. And I think that's something that makes this truly special. And it took last year to really get to that point. All right, Jake. Well, um, I definitely appreciate you, man, coming, coming on here. This was, uh, this was, this was fun. It was a great show. You have, you have, I didn't know you had energy at seven, seven twenty to have the same voice that you have on your show. <laughs> uh, but shout out to you, man. Uh, Lito, I, I appreciate you. Um, As always. Yeah. Um, I will let Jake get out of here and get back to his regular life. Y'all please, please tune in to everything that's happening with, uh, with locked up with locked on Pelicans. There are uh, four or five shows throughout the week. And that, that, that just depends on what kind of mood he's in. He might, he might put in, he, he might put in more, but, but the show's doing great. So I wanted to give you your flowers, man. I appreciate your story. And, if, and as always, we will talk soon. I will see you when I'm in the city. Uh, I can't wait. Thanks for having me on you guys. No doubt, man. Not next, a time, next time I would not step on your shoes after you buy me a beer. <laughs> it's, it's okay. You got to buy me the beer next time. I, I owe you a beer for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. You were in space. We out. <laughs>